0: like, always knowing the truth.
1: There's nothing mystical about it. I could just tell. When
0: anyone is lying? Yeah. That's a clip from the new series, Poker Face, where the protagonist, Charlie Kale, has the uncanny ability to tell when anyone is lying. The talent is a blessing and a curse, and it eventually forces Charlie to flee, crossing the country in a blue Plymouth Barracuda. And in each episode, she winds up in a new town, where, invariably, there is a new mystery to solve. I'm David Gura, in for Jen White, and you're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. Today, we talk Poker Face with Natasha Leone. after the break. Let's get into it with the star of Poker Face, Natasha Leone. She's also an executive producer of the show, which starts streaming on Peacock on Thursday. Natasha, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Let me ask you first of all just about the format uh, of this show. It is in many ways a, a throwback, but it's it's very episodic. New characters every episode. Just describe the way, without giving anything away. Describe the way that the show works.
1: Um, yeah, I mean it's definitely I guess something we haven't seen in a while, and um, of course the creator of the show is the great Ryan Johnson, Knives Out, Glass Onion, and so um, he and hopefully we together have found a way to make that feel somehow brand new, I guess. And in, in my opinion, um, he's done such a beautiful job, but each uh, episode is really it's standalone event. So, I mean, I guess the first one, the second one, and uh, you know, sort of the end, there's definitely a, a, a um, the a Charlie through line sort of this grander story, but really they, they exist in a world of their own. So, you know, the sets are completely, locations are com- completely different and the, um, the, all the uh, the characters, the guest stars.
0: Can you describe sort of how this this came about? Sort of how you met with Ryan and, and figured this out, just sort of the degree to which this was a uh, uh, a project born of, of of both of you. Sort of wh- whose idea was it, and how did it come together? Well,
1: I I really I ultimately blame Karina's brilliant um, Ryan's brilliant wife, Karina Longworth, who has this podcaster. Uh, yes, yeah, great. Um, I guess it's one of my favorite podcasts. You must remember this and. Uh. You know, I had just formed um, this production company with Maya Rudolph, um, who's obviously also a producer on Poker Face. Um, and our, our production company is called Animal Pictures. And I'd heard one of uh, Karina's episodes um, on Paul Robeson and Lena Horn. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, that that might make a great um, limited series or something. And so I got in touch with her and, and I was so intimidated. She's so brilliant. We became friends and I was at her book signing. And Ryan, who was, maybe we were like, Twitter pals or uh-huh. something was there and we were sort of stuck on the sofa forever waiting while she signed books. And then, yeah, we just started kind of cooking up ideas, talking about our shared love of Philip Marlowe, obviously a huge inspiration for Russian doll, the show I um, mm-hmm. co-created with Amy Poehler and Leslie Hedlund. Uh that's on Netflix. And, you know, that's why uh, Nadia, my character in that, has a, a cat named Oatmeal. That's the direct rip from Altman's The Long Goodbye. What uh, uh-huh. we sort of talked about how much we love Altman and really almost started, you know, building on that idea in California split. And, you know, I also love uh, Nicholson's Marlowe at Chinatown and Humphrey Bogard, real love of noirs. And I think Karina, Ryan, and I all share this sort of, you know, deep love for uh cinematic lineage and kind of, you know, um, attaching a, a hook to it. And, um, and then we just started meeting up for, you know, uh, dinners and meals and and French fries and Ryan is you know uh, truly brilliant. I mean he's just a mastermind of puzzle boxes and so I think uh you know he'd also uh, spent COVID watching all of Columbo uh-huh. and <laughs> like a huge fan of all of it. I guess like things that I don't really watch. I think like um, Magnum PI and you know um, the Angela Lansbury and Murder She I, Wrote. I, all I,
0: the greats, greats. yeah.
1: yeah. So, you know, I've heard people say that it's actually more like uh, the Hulk in a way. Uh, Another show I've only seen vaguely as a child. Uh, And although, of course, I'm, you know, deeply aware of, I think I really come to this, though, as a a love of noir. Like, I just love a sort of third party narrator, almost even, uh, you know, as a teenager, really loved John Fonte and Raymond Chandler and just the idea of a sort of. That, you know, uh, sort of a a PI who's kind of a a witness with a (laughs) whistle, sitting at the bar, sort of meditating on life. And then a dame walks in and keeps going from there. And, well, now you got to go down here to this weird nook and cranny. Like in uh, When we're writing Russian Doll, we also talk about that a lot. Just that idea of, in noir, these sort of small pockets that are weird, that just sort of an oddball character kind of exists in, just for a single clue. And you never see them again, you know, like and of course I, I have this, you know, a deep and an open passion for Peter Falk, who I'd love to discover. I was related to in some weird Hungarian twist, <laughs> <laughs> but it the could great be weird. Columbo, yes. Yeah. So I find him very appealing. And uh, <laughs> also I love Detective Sipowitz. Dennis Franz, I think, is a real hot piece. So I, I love it from a lot of angles, I guess. And And Ryan is just. Brilliant. Like, I don't think I was looking to do a, another show necessarily um, r- right now, you know, uh, with Russian all and everything, but the opportunity to collaborate with Ryan in this way was just, has been incredible. I mean, I, he's just also like a stellar human being, just a very solid citizen and ridiculously funny person.
0: Natasha, let me ask you about everybody who's involved in this. So, as, so as I said, and you've said, Charlie is kind of the through line uh, in each of these episodes, but it's an amazing. Cast of guest actors and and actresses: uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt, Chloe Sevigny, Adrian Brody, just to name a few of what seems like many dozen. What, what was it like working with that group of people? And and I imagine I'm gonna I'm gonna venture to guess the cell was was pretty easy to get them to come and do you know do a puzzle box, do one of these episodes with you.
1: Well, it's also what's great is I think Ryan and I were able to bring in so many people that we love, like, I think in many ways this is, it's funny because it's definitely, um, I think it's gonna, there's a wide, uh, you know, birth for like, uh, people that would enjoy it. You know, I could definitely see, uh, uh, you know, kid and their grandparents watching it together or something. So it's really, it's very inviting. And Ryan is also just beautiful at that. You know, he really knows how to create a welcoming story that's, super highbrow and, you know, just looks, um, truly cinematic, but we were also able to really make this a kind of a bit of a family production, you know, so Adrian Brody and Joseph Gordon-Levitt are people, of course, that Ryan has worked with before. And then Chloe Sevigny and, and Clea Duvall are like my two best friends who I work with in everything. And, uh, Dasha Polanco, who's from Orange is the New Black uh-huh. and Russian Paul and Janixa Bravo, who's uh, an incredible filmmaker, she she made that film Zola, among many other things, and she and I are super tight, so she came and directed the finale, and a lot of that amounted to, you know, um, Janixa and I, you know, rolling around with Root Beer, my dog, and some weird <laughs> rental carpeting, you know, up in upstate New York, kind of, it really makes it very, I think I always have this sort of Cassavetti's fantasy of everything, and that's probably why I even like you know, writing and directing and and uh, acting and producing all at once. I think I just sort of watched all his films back to back when I was a teenager and sort of decided that was the way to do it. And um, so I love sort of a recurring cast of characters in all the departments, like when Clay Duvall writes and directs a movie called The Intervention, you know, that went to Sundance and stuff. Of course, I'm there with Melanie Linsky because we're best friends, you know, but then he or she, you know, acts in the finale episode. So I think it's sort of there is a real joy to sort of having us all kind of grow up together. And, um, I just think that's what makes the the sort of life part of it. If you're going to be a workaholic, you know, make sense.
0: You bring up root beer. I'm going to use that as a segue here to play another clip from the show. This is where your character is confronted by restaurant owners who are asking about a dog <laughs> that would not leave you alone. The dog is an incredible character uh, in the show, by the way, does not stop barking until you, you put on right wing talk radio. Let's, let's take a listen to a clip. Hey, 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 you, is that your dog? Uh no. Okay, I just saw you later. Now, what you mean no? That doll has ate three hundred dollars worth of food, and you're gonna pay
1: for it. It was a couple of sausages. Where do you get that man? Look here, we got a problem. I go tell the sheriff. He's right at table five. There is no need to jump to extremes. I just uh, I typically don't carry around that kind of cash. Uh, how much would you say a spare tire is worth?
0: What's the problem here? The problem is, is that her little mangy mutt has ate half a steer. Um, that was a clip for the new Peacock series, Poker Face. Natasha, I want to just ask you about the, the characters that we meet along the way here. Again, I don't want to give uh, much away about about the show, but that's at a at a barbecue joint, I think, in Texas, somewhere somewhere in the Southwest. Um, just describe the kind of um, the, the the collection of characters that that uh, that Charlie encounters as she makes her way across the country.
1: Well, there's certainly no shortage. Um, <laughs> Texas? Although I think I have a deep voice, uh, is what I discovered in that clip. Uh, and yeah, I, um, I mean, Nick Nolte—that's a—that's a real episode. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I got to direct that one. And Cherry uh, Jones is in it. She's incredible. Um, yeah, Judith Light, who's so so good. Um, and Essa Peta, who's amazing. I mean, it really just runs the gamut. Um, You know, Charles Melton, who's like a young guy. And Rome Blanchard. There's Stephanie Zhu, who's from Everything Everywhere All At Once, who's incredible. Um, I mean, there's just, like, every week somebody new and brilliant would show up. And it really makes it, I mean, almost on a sort of musician level, it makes it very exciting because you're sort of playing. It's kind of everybody sort of can read a script and hears it in their own tune. And then you're watching sort of all of these extraordinary players sort of like find find the vibe. And kind of I get to sort of ride along with them almost like um and you know, not to be too too much of a beatnik about it, but it gets very sort of jazz in a way uh-huh. that you're Sort of building the sort of sound each time, but I think you know Ryan is a really brilliant writer as well, obviously, so he just you know he built a house that really holds it um mm-hmm. in an incredible way.
0: I want to ask you about the kind of road trip component of this, and it made me me wistful for for road trips. I've never been chased by a security guard from a from a casino <laughs> across the country, but there's momentum in that as well as this protagonist makes her way across the country and i'd I'd love to ask you. About that. I think so many people probably associate you as a as a New Yorker and being from here but but this is a show that in addition to introducing to us to all these great characters is also taking us to some really wild places we were talking about rural Texas early episodes in New Mexico as well but um place it strikes me place is very important uh, in this series as well
1: yeah and um well Benjamin Brett is I, I, I really I love that dude uh, he's such a good actor and he's a great person. And he's also uh, my nemesis in the show, which is challenging because he's so lovely. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he's great in the part, and he's sort of the the ticking clock behind it all. You know, he's kind of that's who I'm on the run from, and uh, and you know, it, yeah. So she kind of like hops in her barracuda and uh, sort of keeps falling into you know, trouble everywhere she goes is sort of the conceit of the thing. And um, I guess part of what was fun from a crafting character standpoint was that this actually has like more shades of um, almost like Jeff Bridges as the dude than I've had a chance to do before. Uh, It's very much like a character who's kind of open, you know, like a bit of a desert rat, like the sun is on her back. She's sort of, you know, a type of guy who likes people. And... (sighs) she just happens to have a nose for sniffing out crime. And then she's got to see it to the end because she loves the truth and she loves the little guy and she hates injustice. And worse than that, she loves a puzzle. Um, so, you know, you definitely see her in so many different environments and, you know, our production designer Judy Reed did such a beautiful job of building out those worlds. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I talked a lot to Ryan in early days about, it. I was like, you know, maybe I'm done with, you know, the earlier Gene Hackman era, pa- Popeye Doyle, the conversation. I think it's time for night moves, Gene Hackman, you know, she's <laughs> a little bit back foot uh, and sort of happening onto these situations. Um, but yeah, the road trip element of it, it really, I love that idea of like cutting a path through America mm-hmm. and, you know, you really see kind of, just all these, you know, sections you wouldn't otherwise see, meaning it's definitely not uh, like a coastal show. She's definitely not dodging taxis and running into subways. And although that's my, you know, heart and soul, it's it's fun to kind of, you know, be away from that. Just a little bit like a cowboy shoe type of person. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Natasha, I want to circle back to something that you you said earlier, um, you know, as we talked about the, the genesis of this show you thinking about what your next project would be coming out of, of Russian doll. Um, how do you approach or decide what projects to, to take on at this stage in your, your career? Um, what, what are you looking for? What excites you as you sort of weigh what, what new projects are coming your way?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing. I, I guess at this point it really boils down to who do I get to make it with? You know, uh, more and more, I'm starting to see it. It's probably just, you know, aging in this business. I've been doing it since I'm five and I'm, well, I'm 21 now. So, (laughs) and, uh, I, you know, as I look back at that, you know, the decades of doing this, the thing that always sticks out is sort of who you got to, you know, pass that time with. So I think of, especially now that I, you know, I've fallen so in love with, uh, my behind-the-scenes life, writing, directing, producing, all that, just creating things, I I see it more and more as a body of work rather than an individual project such that it's uh, it's about the collaborators. Meaning, you know, the truth is, is really anything Ryan wanted to do, I would have just jumped to do with him because, you know, I love the guy and I love his work. And, um, and he can do a Saturday crossword and I can only do a Thursday. Um, and he does it like a breeze, so... You know, that's that's something I see as aspirational. Um, that's the kind of person I want to spend my time with. Uh, historically, it would be more always oh, there, you know, when I had, I guess, less choices, it would be like, is there even one element here that I can mm. cling to, whether it's a script or a character or a director or a co-star, or, you know, that there's, or a theme or something that seems that it has potential. But I guess as the years have gone by, more and more I've, you know, feel really lucky that now I'm in a time where it's, it's really about choosing what can we make together.
0: We'll be back with more from Natasha Leone in just a moment. Stay with us. <music> Let's get back to our conversation with Natasha Leone, and I'd love to talk more about your character, Charlie Kale. She has the gift of sniffing out everyone's BS. Let's listen to another clip here from the show. In this one, Charlie starts using her gift to piece together one of these mysteries. So
1: I, I heard that he played every day and never won. It's true. That's weird. What? Okay, so uh, I have this thing. I uh, can tell if someone's lying. I mean, it's a, it's a whole thing. It would take too long to explain. It's fine. I don't care. Okay, so uh, you know the kid who works over at uh, Abe's place? Jed. Yes, Jed. So Jed told me that Damien never won, but... He was lying. I could tell. However, just now, when you said it, you were telling the truth. I don't get it. Yeah, me neither. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of breaking my brain a little bit. Uh.
0: Natasha Lyonne, uh explain here what this gift is. There's some, some nuance to what Charlie is able to do, what, what she's able to detect and what she can't.
1: Yeah, I think it's a pretty um, savvy device because... <laughs> you know, she can, she can tell when she lies, but Ryan wrote this uh, great line in the pilot. Uh, She says, well, lying is like birds chirping. It's everywhere. You know, the trick is to figure out why someone is lying. So ultimately it's like, yeah, she's got this gift, but it doesn't make her, you know, a superpower person. It's just is what it is. She can sort of tell that something's off, but doing the math of, you know, why is it off? Why would they do that? What does it mean? And how do I follow that lead essentially becomes, you know, super practical. And in that sense, she's completely an everyman. So she's got like this one narrow thing she can rely on, but everything else is just, uh, you know, standard sleuthing. Um, So I, I really like that about her
0: there there's something else wonderful about her and i guess you see that in colombo and you you see that in in murder she wrote as well this is not like um she's she's not a professional cop this comes up in in, in the episodes i've seen i haven't watched the whole season as i've seen just a, a couple of of the screeners but um you know she, she'll confront people who say what are you you're not a cop you're not a police officer as as you've said there's kind of a a wonderful casualness to this that she she is in it it seemingly um to figure out these puzzles. And yes, she cares about the people who are wrapped up in all of them, but, um, th- there, there's something a- amateurish isn't the right, the right word, but there's, there's something nice about somebody who is just very, very successful, uh, by virtue of, of having this, this gift, um, figuring out stuff like this.
1: Yeah. Well, I think Columbo was, it wasn't he? No,
0: you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right.
1: Thank God for once. Uh, <laughs> I knew it would happen someday. Uh, But yeah, she is, she's definitely, Charlie is not a cop. Uh, You know, she, um, but she does have, I guess that thing in common with um, Angela Lansbury of, you know, sort of cases find her. Um, And yeah, she just, you know, loves to crack them. Uh, And I think that they are sort of accidental to the extent that, Often what what happens, I guess, in the series is, you know, it's somebody that she's developed a relationship with, you know, as she's on the road. And it's really sort of like the injustice or the little guy going down who doesn't have a voice that she sort of can't stand for. Um, So I think that's the thing that sort of engines her to end up, you know, sticking out her neck and getting involved where she kind of knows she shouldn't be. Um, It's also, you know, sort of strange that she's, you know, really living out lone wolf style, you know, life on the lam. So she's in this sort of precarious position where she can only figure out and, you know, uh, crack quite so much before actually getting herself um, caught. So it, it has a really great kind of cat and mouse game built in. And it's one of those things, you know, people will talk about that, that's sort of like creating confines for you know yourself as a writer or a storyteller is very helpful because it sort of makes everything, the twists and turns sort of savvier, um, and I think that's really what you know Ryan has ultimately crafted here.
0: My apologies to Lieutenant Columbo, of course, as you point out there, but um, oh, and
1: he's mad. He's mad as hell. Nah, he forgives you. That's the kind of guy, like, oh, baby. He doesn't care. Keeps him moving. Doing an oil painting in heaven somewhere.
0: There you go. Uh, as we said earlier, uh, Ryan Johnson, the creator of, of Poker Face, has uh, written and directed both *Knives Out* movies. Let's take a listen to, to what he said about this series recently.
1: You know, Glass Onion and Knives Out, those are whodunits. So you have, like, a, eight different suspects and who could have done it. This is more like, this is modeled more after Columbo as a how-catch-em, where we show you who did it, and we show you the murder in the first act. And so you know who did it. It's all about how is Natasha going to catch him. And what's fun for that about me is it means I can write a great part for that guest star. And, and each one of them owns that episode. It's fun watching them go head-to-head with Natasha.
0: Natasha, can you talk a bit more just about the, the writing of this show and sort of what the writer's room was like? And, and you've given us some insight here into um, Ryan's sort of great facility with with creating these sort of package whodunits or who catchems as, as he calls them. What, what was it like watching this show come to life um, in script form? And, and it's um, like, yes, the puzzles are, are so amazing and great, but it's also just like a wonderfully written show as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, Ryan has a pretty cool... Process. Um, I should also give a shout out to Alice Jew, who's a brilliant young writer. She was with me this season on Russian Doll, and mm-hmm. uh, we we're lucky to have her in um, the room on on Poker Face. And she wrote the second episode, and she wrote episode eight with me. Uh, and um, Nora and Lila Zuckerman are the showrunners, and they're really great. And uh, just it's really fun that everybody, the team, really loves. Um, you know puzzle boxes and sort of Agatha Christie and that kind of a thing. But uh, Ryan in particular in the room has this really funny thing. You know, he has these notebooks and it's like, he'll be listening and, you know, uh, chiming in and it's usually, you know, he's got so many brilliant ideas uh, always, but then he'll end up like holding up a drawing, which is the entire episode sort of built out. And it really, it's, I mean, that's, that to me is what I mean by the joy of collaboration. Like in that moment, you just become like a child, you know, sort of, I don't know, like building a video game with another kid or something. It's, it's, you know, you're seeing somebody, the inside of their brain and sort of the inner workings of how their mind sort of grabs onto ideas and sort of makes a, a drawing, like, you know, a real, it's almost like a, you know, yarn board of a serial killer or something, but the good kind (laughs) is, you know, he's drawn, mapped out the entire episode, and and now you're just, you know, a pirate on the hunt for the ex.
0: How much do you give thought to to the medium so as you mentioned you started at age 5 now t- now, at twi- now at 21 but like the the medium of distribution has changed so much and and we talked a bit at the top just about um you know how this this is a nod to another era when you had these kind of weekly procedurals um it's something new in this world of streaming do you do you think about the way that we watch television today um Get, the way that we are entertained sort of how streaming changes that or is that sort of a, a sideshow to you does it not does it not matter fundamentally is it all is it all the same How has streaming sort of changed entertainment as you see it
1: i mean it'll certainly be a curious thing in terms of only time will tell like i you know the things that i fell in love with as a teenager you know fellini and Fosse and all my my whole bag over there i So much of that was just either at the phone forum, I was seeing it on the big screen or it's like a VHS copy. So I, you know, and it's that word of mouth, you know, because it'll also be interesting that there's there's so much right now, you know, it's like you can barely, you know, get a voice heard. It's radical if you do. And it's so, you know, hard making things. And then, and then there's so many things, you know, so, so it'll be a curious thing to see sort of, you know, 20, 40 years from now, like what what we're still talking about from this kind of peak streaming era. And I mean, in the here and now, it's also interesting to watch. Obviously I was there, um, you know, at the start with Netflix, which was really fun as kind of a, a lover of, um, I don't know, just, uh, the building blocks of this industry, you know, whether that's reading Easy Riders and Ranging Bulls Mm -hmm. or just, uh, you know, kind of, you know, how, how, how that, that, that business was formed. Um, I remember Orange is the New Black was really, I think, the third series. I think they had Lilyhammer, House of Cards, and then Orange is the New Black. So it was really fun to watch that kind of, you know, come into existence from the ground up. And, you know, Peacock has certainly been here a while, but it's going to be really, feels really exciting to sort of, like, be a part of watching, you know, the ride of how these games sort of all work Um I, I think it'll be, you know, someone's going to write a great book about it sort of like, you know, five or 10 years from now. Um, but in terms of the artistic side of it, you know, it's funny that it's sort of, it doesn't, it, it doesn't fully affect, you know, the process or like the writing or um, directing or editing or acting, you know, that's not really where you feel it. Um, so I, ultimately, I mean, you know, sorry, that's neither here nor there. I just think I mean, I will say that it is everybody who's uh, a show creator right now knows that it's a, a, a tricky time in terms of um, just the trends of sort of, you know, television or streaming kind of come in waves. Of course, as we're starting to see, you know, like right now, we're at the end of an era of sort of like small personal stories in the beginning of an era of like almost a return to wider storytelling. And I'm sure that'll turn again. Um, I always think of uh, Kurt Cobain and Nirvana and how exciting that was in the middle of all that pop And then all of a sudden you're hit with another wave and Mm -hmm. then a return or somebody finds, you know, a perfect balance and you get a third thing. What was so brilliant about Ryan with this show was the way, you know, you know, we were together in all these, um, you know, sort of pitch meetings and talking about the show. And there was so much pushback about the idea that it would be kind of case of the week. Like, I think because people hadn't seen it for so long, they were sort of scared of it. And it's just that thing of like holding firm to a vision is such a, you know, happy thing to witness and be a part of, because that's the thing that will sort of cut through every time.
0: Getting a couple tweets uh, here. Maria tweeting, love everything that Natasha has created and been involved in. Looking forward to her next project. And Simon tweeting, Natasha is the supreme goddess of the 21st century. Will there be a third season of Russian Doll? So there, <laughs> there's a question about another, 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 project. will there be? And sort of um, maybe you can just talk about the the contrast in doing both of these series.
1: Yeah, well, Amy Poehler and I just spent a whole bonanza weekend together, and here in the Big Apple, uh, Ozzy was on SNL, and so was Amy. So we did that. Yesterday, we were at the Film Forum seeing uh Bertolucci's *The Conformist*, one of the greatest looking movies of all time. Although um, well, I guess he's sort of aged into a problematic figure, but that's <laughs> tangent. Um, but you know, I definitely think you know it's something that we want to do. I got to write it, um, so you know, it's a. I'm really. First things first, we have to figure out how to clone myself because uh, I'm trying to kind of fit it all in. You know, I always feel like an artist has such a narrow period where they really get to make things, and it's. I feel like if I don't sort of direct three features before I die, I'll be mad at myself and my own all that jazz. Look back, so I'm really trying to sort of engine a, a feature around here as well. Um, but I, I know it's something that we definitely want to do. It's weirdly I, I see it as almost like anthological at this point. I guess the. Covid of it all really made the mm. second season sort of three-year delay, and I'm at this point where I'm um, organically playing characters who are sort of ageless, I guess. Like they, you know, Nadia could also be a hundred and sort of cracking some high-concept time travel multiverse problem. So it feels like the good news is I, I don't feel like it's a, a sweeping rush or anything. I'm really trying to, you know, I've become a surfer recently and abandoned my old personality in favor of becoming a new person. I love that. Um, <laughs> So like the other person kind of sucked, you know? Uh she's a smoker. And this one is still also, but
0: all like
1: surfing is harder. <laughs> so thing. Uh anyway, so there's a lot of things I want to do, but it's yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's I think the joy of Russian all is really I learned like the beauty of collaboration from the ground up. So I would say in that sense, it's it feels very similar. Um, and I can sort of see a wider swath of things, you know, it's given me better perspective and it's just, it's, you know, I mean, like it's all, it's all good news, you know, that's definitely a more philosophical, existential, psychedelic, almost theological show. And it's really so happy for me to have a place to put that. Obviously my main problem is just trying to figure out what the hell we're all doing here. So I'm grateful that Netflix gives me a place to put that research. Um, And, you know, with like this brilliant team of writers and, uh, and this really feels like almost like an opportunity to make like a great seventies classic film that I always wanted to make. And uh, here I'm getting to do that with Ryan and, you know, I love those movies. Like that's my, you know, lifeblood is sort of both these things. So it's a really, It's been a a beautiful mashup as far as my soul is concerned or my artistic interests, you know, so I'm very grateful as somebody who's not always been in the zeitgeist to, you know, be having a moment where people seem interested in the work I'm doing. It's Mm. it's a lot uh, easier to make things. So I'm certainly going to, you know, try to make as much as I can in this narrow window.
0: Squarely in the zeitgeist on a surfboard with a cigarette. Natasha Leone is executive producer, stars the new mystery series, Poker Face, which premieres on Peacock this Thursday. Remember, we have a text club here at 1A. It's the fastest way to connect with us. Find out how to sign up on the Talk to 1A tab at the1a.org. Today's show was produced by June Leffler and Michelle Harvin and edited by Matthew Simonson. This program comes to you from WAMU, which is part of American University in Washington. It's distributed by NPR. I'm David Gurra. Let's talk more soon. This is 1A.